Good morning, Village Church of Bartlett. I don't get to say that very much because I am at Village Church East. If you don't know about Village Church East, it's because Pastor Michael has done a bad job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Michael is a very big blessing in my life. We do sermon prep and, and challenge each other. He's been a wonderful friend to me. Uh, encouragement, um, friend, and, and uh, mentor. I'm, I'm grateful for my relationship with him. Uh, and so uh, I am the pastor at Village Church East, which is in Carroll Stream. So shout out to all the East people that are here today. <laughs> yeah. We're a big crowd. Uh, we, are, uh, we are anxious to see what the Lord does with us in 24. If you wanna pray for us, uh, we're coming on, up on our seventh anniversary. Can you believe that? Seventh anniversary. And we are anxious to see uh, a building in 24. So still praying for that. Uh, specific prayers for that. Please pray that God gives us a building for a buck. Easy to remember, right? <laughs> building for a buck would be nice. Uh, <clears throat> I'm grateful to be able to uh, speak to you on the last Sunday of, the, of 23. I know there's been a challenge for for some of us, and so I'm gonna do a little, uh, little psychological game with you as we start off, all right? So I have some, some, some sound effects, all right? So you're all Pavlov's dog, and I wanna, I wanna see a microphone here, which I don't see. Can I use this one? I'll just use this one, I'll use this one, I'll use this one, all right. I wanna see how you respond when you hear certain sounds, all right? Does that sound like fun? All right, all right, good, good, good. Okay, here we go, ready? Here's the first sound. All right, your first response is? Somebody else get that. All right, here's, uh, here's the second sound. How do you respond when you hear this? Time's up, yeah. All right, that's, that's always fun when you're playing a game and you're trying to make uh, George Washington and it looks like a pear tree instead and you, know, you hear that and you lose the game. How about this one? This is a fun one. <laughs> you had the exact same response as the first service did. It was an audible groan. Yeah, it means it's time to get up. How about this one? Ah, yeah. It's interesting when we hear these different sounds, how, uh, how they, they evoke an emotional response in us, right? the audible groan or the buzzer, time is up. The constraints of time uh, uh, always have a play in our lives. So my question to you this morning is, is this, how has time affected your life in 23? How many times have you found yourself up against the clock? How many times has it been like, I just wish time would go faster or I just wish time would slow down? It's interesting that all of these sound things that I played for you this morning have one thing in common, they all deal with time. The fact of how the clock keeps ticking and what comes at the end. Oh, by the way, I wanna say welcome to all of our, uh, not just our East people, but the kids that are here this morning. It's good to have you in the service. So if you're a kid in here this morning because, uh, because you gotta sit with your parents this morning, <clears throat> welcome, it's good to have you. Hopefully you won't uh, find this completely boring, uh, but uh, that's not my goal. My goal is to glorify God, but that's a secondary push, all right? So let's talk about how time has impacted our lives over this past year. It keeps reminding me, for instance, that I'm getting old. My kids sat down with me in 23 for the very first time. 
And I sat down with them and <clears throat> I said, listen, you guys gotta stick around a little longer when we're talking with adults, when we have adults over. Just, just give a little bit more time and, and talk with us. And they said, you know, Daddy, we, we'd love to do that, but it, it really, all you guys talk about is how your, your things are broken in your bodies these days. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh man, I've crossed the line. I've become my father. Time, it prevents me from doing as well as I could on that test. I just ran out of time. Provides me, it provides to the, the crown to the person who ran five seconds faster than me. Causes our children to grow up too fast and move out too soon. It causes the plane to leave the runway because we got stuck in the security line. It offers us few opportunities to move toward our perceived goals. Anyone doing resolutions this year? takes only nine months of time to change our lives forever, to give us a new little life to take care of. And eventually, we cross a time when life starts taking away more than it gives. Time is an interesting concept. Did you know there's a basic biblical principle talking about the constraints of time? In fact, Jesus brings it up when he talks in the Gospels about three people who are posed with a question of following Jesus. And that's where I want to take you this morning. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 57. It's up on the screen if you'd like to follow along. I'm just going to read through it, and then we're going to slice it up, talk about each one of these. But I want you to see the whole picture as we begin. As they were going along the road, Luke chapter 9, verse 57, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. That's a weird thing to say. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61, yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, the average person reading this, this passage of scripture might look at this and say, you know, Jesus is a little pushy. Like, it's not a bad thing to do any of these things that these guys were talking about, and you would be correct in your assessment of this passage of scripture. After all, can I take care of my family and follow Jesus? Is it wrong to want to bury my father before I follow Jesus? Wouldn't Jesus want me to take care of those in my family? Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want Jesus want me to build a, a good life for myself and to, to make the best use of my time and follow Jesus? Doesn't Jesus love my dad? These all have two things in common. All three of these stories deal with the battle against time. And the second thing they have in common is both of these stories, or all three of these stories, convey positive options to use our time. Let's start with the first one. This first guy in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57, used his time wisely organizing stable resources for himself. This is not a bad thing. Remember, he says, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus' response to him is, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Why does Jesus respond like this? Why doesn't he just say, super duper, let's go, bud. Let's, let's make it happen. 
Instead, because the guy was literally saying, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. I mean, I'm reaching for that in every church service. This guy's volunteering. To understand this, let me give you a little bit more information. Parallel passage in in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. We are told this same story, and we're given a little bit more information. This first guy was a scribe. Now, a scribe is a pretty important person. There was one, more than one, but at least one in every village. They were in charge of making legal documents, helping you make up legal documents. They were in charge of copying scriptures. They became so important, actually, that that they, uh, they actually started taking over the spot of some of the priests. Jesus referred to these scribes pretty often. He said, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You remember all of that? These guys were well-paid. They were comfortable. They were well-off. They were important people in their villages. This first guy says, I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. And Jesus challenges him right in his weak spot. Jesus says to him, what if you cannot depend on the successes you've had in the past on the resources that you've built up in the past, if you decide to follow me? What if that college degree doesn't work for you if you follow me? In fact, you might not have a bed. Foxes might do better than you. Tonight, you might not have food. You've gotta understand, Mr. Scribe, that the life that you have spent investing in, you might have to put on the altar and it gets burned up. Just so you know what you're signing up for, you might be called to sacrifice it all. What you've worked for in life might be something that God invests in that's completely different. So the second man. The second man was actually called by Jesus. In verse 59, it says, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Uh, Interesting phrase. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This second guy used his time wisely, again, planning a reliable future for himself. He was culturally responsible to do certain things. He was living up to his responsibility. He was planning for the next year, his five-year plan, his goals in life. He was putting up Uh, uh, stones that he would hit, milestones that he would reach. He was planning ahead. And on his plan was to take care of his dad. Not a bad thing. In the Jewish system, the Jews were very quick quick to put a person in a burial site because if they didn't, there'd be uncleanliness and purification processes that they would have to go through. And so there was a danger of a long-term ritual you didn't want to get into. So what happens is, if this guy's dad died, he would have to put him in the grave quickly. Then after a year, the eldest son would go and visit the grave, take out some of the bones and put them into a box. And then the bones would be placed in this special box and they would have a good ceremony. A sepulcher was built for the family to honor their dad. This son was actually asking to do what was required of him by his family. This son was fulfilling the 10 commandments. What is the fifth command? Starts with honor. Yeah, honor, honor your parents, right? Honor your father and mother. This, this is following the Ten Commandments. So he says to Jesus, and it sounds great, let me first go and bury my father. But what he's actually saying is, I've got some life plans for my life. I've got, I've got things, and they're not bad. They're good things. 
but I got to make sure that I fulfill them before I make a commitment to follow you and do whatever you ask of me. He would consider Jesus, but only if Jesus could be added to his personal plans. Truth be told, this man was not doing anything wrong. What Jesus was asking him to do was radical, even unthinkable, to break precedent, to put him in front of any responsibilities he thinks he had. Don't let your future plans, in other words, hinder God's present plans for you. Third guy, verse 61. Yet another said, now this guy, I like to think he's in the back. He hears what happens to the first two and he raises up his hand. This last guy says, another said, ooh, 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 ooh. (laughs) I'm sorry, Mr. Cotter, I'm sorry. I'm so old. I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is failing at the revival services because all of these people are volunteering. All of these people are saying, I'll follow you. They're all responding to the invitation. And Jesus is saying, yeah, not good enough. This last guy says, I have used my time wisely networking in life. I have built some great networks, great relationships, and I'd like to make sure that those are stable because what if my whole thing with you doesn't work out quite like it should? He wasn't adverse to accepting Jesus' call. He just didn't want it to interrupt what he was networking in life, what he was building in life. The bridges in his past he was unwilling to burn. He would solidify his networking base and when he was sure that those networks were secure and in good standing, he would do what Jesus asked of him. This third man shoots up his hand and says, Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever. First, let me take care of my networks. This was not just going home to say goodbye. This was putting off an opportunity to follow Jesus because he had made investments he was unwilling to sacrifice. So Jesus gives him this parable. Well, it's not really a parable. It's a, it's a story about how we plow a field. How many of you have plowed a field this past week? <laughs> so everybody understood what Jesus said. Let me explain to you. If you're going to plow a field, you have a very sharp instrument on, on, on a wooden setup that is attached to ox. Now, if you're plowing a field, you need to set your eyes on something in the future and aim to that, something way off in the distance. So in order to make the most of your field, you need to have straight lines. And the only way to have a straight line is to look at the guy in the back and to plow toward him. And then you turn around and you look back and you plow straight and you don't take your eyes off. If you wanna have a crooked field, you look behind you while you're plowing. The closest thing we have to that is don't text and drive. Because when you text and drive, you most likely are gonna go out of your lane. Keep your eyes fixed on the target. In other words, church, in all three of these stories, my urgency determines my seriousness. My urgency determines my seriousness. This man was looking back instead of looking ahead. His past relationships had become a snare to his ability to answer Jesus' call. 
Now, how does that apply to us? Pretty easily. Like, how many of your relationships have you invested in, but you're unwilling to give up when Jesus makes the call? Those who are called to serve in God's kingdom have a singular focus. It is their end goal, no matter what. So that's the story of the three guys. You wanna know the urgency that the church is to operate under when it comes to time? Let me take you to one more passage. It's in 2 Timothy chapter four, starting at verse one. 2 Timothy chapter four, verse one. This is the last uh, epistle that Paul the apostle would write. He writes it to Timothy, who is his son in the faith, he calls him. Timothy is pastor at a church of Ephesus, a church that is dear to Paul's heart. And Paul writes to Timothy thinking that this is the last thing he's ever gonna get to say to him. Second Timothy is a very important book. Here's what he says in 2 Timothy 4, some of the last words Paul would ever write. See if you can sense the urgency of time. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, time. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. To illustrate what this means, it's Paul writing to his son in the faith. And he's saying to Timothy with the whole, I charge you then, he's saying, for God's sake, preach the word. This is very important for you to listen to, Timothy. The urgency in Paul's letter can be felt as we continue to read through this because understanding that he is in prison, thinking he's about to be beheaded, we read these words a little differently. How would you write to somebody that you love knowing that your days are numbered? The following words indicate to us how desperate Paul is for Timothy to listen to him. Verse three, look how it starts, church. For time is coming. A time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. This was written 2,000 years ago, but don't you think that it could have been written yesterday? Paul is saying, let me, let me break down this, this passage for you because it's really important. Endure. The word endure in the, in the Greek means to stand up and bear a thing. It, it means like something's pushing them down and they are unable to stand up against it anymore. They will not be able to endure what? Sound teaching. The word sound is whole or wholesome. Purity. They won't be able to endure wholesome teaching. Instead, they will accumulate for themselves. You know what the word accumulate means? It means to heap up piles. They will heap and heap and heap, piles upon piles. And what will they heap up? They will heap up people to say what they want to hear because their ears are itching. You know what the word itching means? Itching in the Greek here means to scratch a thing until you get so much satisfaction it bleeds. 
That is what Paul says is coming. Eventually, church, time will work against the truth. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, (laughs) but I have to tell you, I feel like our time is more limited. I think I'm fair to think that because this was written 2,000 years ago. So we're at least 2,000 years closer. Can we agree with that? Now, when the buzzer goes off, I have no idea. But I do know this. A time is coming when people will not endure sound, wholesome teaching. Instead, they will heap up teachers that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. The lies of this present darkness are being bought much faster than any time in my lifetime. Maybe because of the internet, maybe because we're in this culture that is just accepting and it's just changing. Maybe the demons are unleashed like they've never been before. I don't know. But I know this. The lies are faster, deeper, and darker than they've ever been in my lifetime. They are turning away from listening to the truth and they are wandering off into myths. So church, what can be done about it? Pastor Bonhoeffer, who was a Lutheran pastor in the time of the Nazi regime, actually as the Nazi regime was was rising into power, he was able to get in and out of Germany. And he did an interview and they asked him, Pastor Bonhoeffer, What's going on with the church over there? What what is the church doing when the stormtroopers come and they take away the Jewish people and they put them into the carts and and they take them away to God knows where? What is the church doing to stop that? What is the church doing when they hear the screams? And Bonhoeffer said, the church sings louder. In this present time, we have a unique opportunity that we've never had before, and we may never have again. One small candle can be seen three football stadiums away. And we don't have to wonder what we should do, because Paul says, this is his last writing. He thinks he's going to die. This is the last thing he writes. So he tells Timothy what we should be doing. It's in verse 5. It's the next verse. But as for you, always be, would you read this with me? Because it's not just to Timothy, and it's not just to me. It's to us. So let's read it together. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and this is our call. Fulfill your ministry. When I was growing up, I always wished it were tomorrow, and I always missed the point of today. And God says, don't lose today, because you may not get it tomorrow. (laughs) Use your time wisely now. There is no time to waste. If you need to consider where God wants you to serve, you you should do that. Be bold, be watchful, be sober-minded. It doesn't mean to be sad all the time. It doesn't mean to lose your joy. It just means to be aware, be be conscious, be sober-minded. Think logically about what's coming in this present dirt world. Are you suffering at this time? Welcome to life. Use that suffering, endure that suffering, and use it for the glory of God. Do the work of an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? What does an evangelist do? Shares the gospel. Every one of us is called to share the gospel. That means I use my vocal cords 
People are not gonna know Jesus died on the cross and for, for their sins and loves them unless you say it to them. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Who in here doesn't have a ministry to do? Who in here has not been given at least one gift by God to share with somebody else? Every one of us has been gifted. You wouldn't be here if God didn't have something for you to do. So do your ministry. Jesus commands us. You know, in scripture, Jesus never commands us to get people saved. Did you know that? He commands us to make disciples. Go and make disciples. That means it is going to take a time investment. If you want to use your time wisely in this present darkness, use your time wisely. Find one person. Spend time with them. Give them time. When I was a youth pastor, I used to say to my parents all the time, I said, listen, the person that wins with your kid is the person that gives them the most time. Spend time with people. So who are you actively making a disciple of Jesus Christ. Paul wasted a lot of his life following a lie. As you know, probably you know his story. He was called later in life. He, he actually wasted a good chunk of his life persecuting the church. But when God got a hold of his life, it is interesting to see that he made every single decision opposite from those three guys in Luke. Every decision that he made to follow Jesus went directly against what those three guys in Luke chose to do. When the call came, he answered. There was no hesitation on what his life would be or if he would remain stable on the resources that he had made in life. And he had a lot of them. When God called him, he allowed every one of the bridges in his past, the relationships in his past to burn for the sake of following Jesus. He could not have a reliable future. He could only say, whatever God wants, I'm willing to do. And when he decided to follow Jesus, when God called him, no matter what networks he had invested in the past, he considered them, well, he says, I consider them all loss for the sake of following Jesus. He would allow God to create his future for him. In fact, as he writes his last words in the book of 2 Timothy, it comes up in verse six, his attitude. Look at this. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. My time is up. Paul thinks he's done. He had no idea where God would take him. He certainly didn't want to be in a prison, chained to a guard. <laughs> but he put his hand on the plow, he fixed his eyes on Jesus, and he plowed. Paul realized he had a small part to play in the great plan that God had put together in history. I may not know what my future holds, but whatever God is doing to build a kingdom, he has graciously invited me to play a part in. I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Sir Christopher Wren, famous architect, built St. Paul's Cathedral in London Story is told that some of his workers were interviewed. Say, why are you here? Why are you investing in this cathedral you probably won't ever see done in your lifetime? The first worker said, I'm cutting stones for three shillings a day. The second worker said, I'm putting in 10 hours on a job. The third worker said, 
I am helping Sir Christopher Wren build the greatest cathedral in Great Britain for the glory of God. We fix our eyes on what God is doing. So, here's your so what's. Number one, your time is now. Don't waste it. One of my favorite passages in scripture is Psalm 39 because it deals with the Hebrew uh, tendency. They, they kind of, um, sometimes they don't take exact measurements. Sometimes it's like a hand breadth, which is like this long. And there's a passage in Psalm 39 that talks about this and how it relates to our time in this life. Psalm 39 verse four says this. This is David writing and he says, O Lord, make me know, the, make me know my end And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. This is you, church. This is you. This is your now, if if I was Michael Jordan, you'd have a little little bit more time than, than this little hand that I have up here. But this is you. This is this is this is the time that's gone by. This is the time that's coming, and this is you. It's all you get. It's all I get. Every decision I make in life seems to be like a life-shattering moment. This is it, though. This is all I get. What am I investing my time doing? The buzzer's gonna go off. And we will be called to give an account to God. So the first thing I would say is your time is now. Don't waste it. Invest in something greater. Number two, your time is your time. It requires surrender. Your time is your time. The thing I love about Jesus is he can redeem anything. In fact, when we come to know him as our savior, he redeems everything about us. He redeems our past, our present, our future, our bodies, our eyes, our hearts. He redeems our soul. He redeems all of us. And he redeems our time. So it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter how you've spent your time, how you've wasted it, how you've, how you've done sins in the past like David did, by the way, before Psalm 1, before he said in Psalm 39. David had looked at his life and he said, I've wasted my time in so much sin. He says, I only have a hand breath. Redeem what's left. God can redeem anything. God can clean your clock in a positive way. Ephesians 5.15 says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Would you read this with me, church? Making the best use of the time because because the days are evil. You need to be baptized? What are you waiting for? You should get baptized like today. You need to be baptized, your follower of Jesus Christ? Boom, that's, make disciples, baptize in them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. You need to take a step of faith? Do it today. You need to start working in the ministry? We have a great website where you can jump on board and you can sign up for like any ministry today. You can do that right on your phone, right? Don't do it right now, but wait till afterwards and sign up for a ministry day. They'll, they'll put you on a team, you'll get taught how to do things. Start using your gifts to serve the Lord. Somebody in your family, your friends, somebody need a cup of cold water? Is somebody in need around you? You should really drop what you're doing and do something for them. You need to get saved? What are you waiting for? Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today. Time is an interesting thing because we never get back 
what we have already had? How many opportunities do we lose because we simply don't have time? Too often we think God wants stuff. What if God just wants time? When you're doing dad stuff, when you're doing mom stuff, when you're doing employee stuff, when you're doing me time, how is that time used for the Lord? Remember the Bible says, whether you spend time eating or drinking or whatever you spend time doing, do all for the glory of God. How do you spend your time? Because God is building a kingdom. He has graciously offered for you to come on in and have a part. Use your time wisely. Personally, I get to serve with some of the best people I know at Village Church East. They give a lot of their time. And I'm grateful that I get to spend my time with them. And I wanna remind them and I wanna remind you because a church like this doesn't just function on its own. It takes people, it takes, it, takes, it takes a heart for what God is doing in Bartlett or in Carroll Stream. It takes hearts and it takes time. And if you're participating in a ministry here that blesses Bartlett, blesses Carroll Stream or blesses the world, God bless you because God loves to redeem time. And I'm gonna leave you with this one verse, Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust. My church in Madison, when we left our church in Madison, it was a hard decision to make. They gave me a plaque. The plaque had a picture of the church on it and underneath of that, you can see this if you walk into my house, it's the first thing that you see. Underneath of that is this verse, which has come to mean so much to me and applies so well to today. Because church, I leave you with these Truthful words. God is not unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. God will redeem anything, including your time. In fact, I would say, church, maybe time is the most valuable commodity we have. How often would we rather throw money at a project than give it our time? The Lord is asking for your time Seriously, what, what better way do you have to spend your time than helping God invest in his growing kingdom? You gonna make resolutions this year? I hope so. Remember to include in there, spend a little time with my family, with my church, with my kids, investing for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. So Father God, I'm grateful that you give us time We use it in so many different ways, and yet it's such a valuable resource. We are limited in how much time we have. Uh, hand breath is not very long at all, but in that time you ask us to have a major part in building something bigger than ourselves, investing in families, investing in friends, investing in people. And through your spirit you can do so much more than we can do. So I pray that this church now is full of people that rise, rise to, the, to the occasion, rise to this time. And may you build in this church a heart for you like never before in 2024. A group of people that is willing to give you their time. Same for Village Church East and for your church that exists around the world as we seek to light candles brighter in this present darkness. May you change the world with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.